So good to be here today. Let's pray. Lord, we love you. We are really grateful that you treat us well all the time, that you are uh, a God who does not lie. You don't change with the shifting of shadow, Lord. We're just asking today you'd reveal yourself to us in a most uh, wonderful way. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Well, as Robert said, my name is Jeff Bianchi, and I am the family's pastor here at All People's Church and other roles. But, uh, you know, in honor of our tradition of uh, jokes, there was an old lady in El Cajon by the name of Ethel. And uh, (laughs) Ethel sent her husband, uh, Louie, out to uh, go get uh, some groceries at Vons. And um, so she said, "Uh, Louie, go get me some groceries. And so Louie went out. He was driving the car. And he hadn't been gone very long. She turned on the uh, TV, and she realized uh, that some critical information. Uh, She called him up. She said, Louie, where are you? And Louie says, well, I'm driving. I'm on the road. And she said, well, I want you to be careful because on the 8, there's a wrong way driver. There's a driver the wrong way on the 8. And he said, well, Ethel, there's not just one wrong way driver on the 8. There's hundreds of them. Boy, you're a hard crowd, man. Yeah, I know. I'm glad that's Robert's job. You know, as we come to the end of one year, uh, Kendall is going to be sharing next week on, on New Beginnings, and I'll get into a bit of that today. But as we come to the end of one year, looking toward the beginning of another, we all have our measure of successes and of failures, Right. Uh, if not in 2018, stretching back into our lives. And uh, it's just really important for us to be able to process our past in order to move on into our future. The best idea that I have of, uh, as you see this picture back here, wondering what in the world is this uh, monkey doing? Uh, Let me hear your best monkey voice there. Anybody out there got a good? All right, somebody actually, there you go. Feel like we're at the San Diego Zoo. Anyway, uh, in South India and various other places in the world, there is um, a a way that people catch monkeys. And what they do is they go out, they find either a side of a hill or uh, um, the ground, and they begin to dig. They just dig out a straight, very narrow, straight hole, and uh, then they use that instrument, and they dig it out and make it wide at the bottom. And uh, they dump into that hole that they've made, they dump into that hole, rice, okay? And uh, the monkeys, they know, like rice. I mean, what good monkey wouldn't like rice? Maybe banana's the only better thing. But they put monkey, uh, they put monkey, they put rice in there, and the monkey, uh, they just wait, you know, they leave, and then the monkey comes around, and he looks in, he sees there's rice. Mm, mm, good. So he puts his hand in there, and he grabs hold of the rice. And, but the and he pulls up to pull the rice out. But the problem is that the uh, unfisted hand, which is the word for a monkey's uh, uh, thing here, uh, the unfisted hand actually can get in, but a fisted hand cannot get out because of the size of the hole that he put his hand in. And so the monkey, any good monkey would think, hey, somebody's going to come chop off my head, and uh, I'm in big trouble here, and just let go of the rice and go, right? Right? Is that what the monkey does? No. 
He does not. The monkey grasps the rice, and he will stay there for hours with his fist in a hole, grasping and not able to get out, and eventually he will go the way of all the earth, as they said in the Bible. He will not live anymore because someone will find him that's hunting monkeys, and anyway, he will have his ultimate demise. Now, that is really amazing, isn't it? But what's also amazing to me is that this is an illustration, probably one of the better ones that I could think of, of how if we grasp hold of our past and grasp hold of our successes, uh, some, and of our failures at times many, and we refuse to let go, we are stuck. We are unable to move, and we're a setup for the enemy's work in our lives. So today, what I want to talk about is that we need to let go of the past in order to embrace God's new thing. Anybody want to unfist here? Just a minute. You want to do that? Go ahead. Let me see that. Let's let go. All right? All right. Here we go. Now you understand the monkey trap. You feel better, hopefully, about it. Well, let me give you a few descriptors. This is not an extremely encouraging list, but it will get encouraging. A druggie, a drunkard, immoral, a cheater, a liar, a thief, a failure. You know, these were all things at one time that described me. But they do not any longer describe me, and they do not any longer define me. God, by his grace and mercy, has allowed me to let go of the past and of the way Satan has attempted to identify me and the way my own brokenness and my own failure has identified me and take on the new creation in Christ that I really am. You know, whether we have a past full of successes, let's say you've had a successful business, you've had a successful career, you've had a great family that are all married and all are really healthy and functioning together, which seems like a rarity these days. Uh, let's say you have a lot of money in your bank account, you've done really well and whatever. Um, but also, we uh, have a past of failures, and those failures would include Broken relationships. Oh, the amount of broken relationships. Sin. Sin done to us, sin we have committed. And heartache. Just the heartache of life. You know, it's important for each of us to realize that God is calling us into a new thing in him. I don't care how good it's been or how bad it's been. God says to you, I am doing something new. And you know the best part of it? You get to do it with him. Praise his holy name. We're going to look at the word of God today, uh, and uh, we're going to turn to Isaiah chapter 43, verses 16 through 19. We're going to read about what God says about the new thing that he is doing in life. Uh, let me give you a little just quick note on Isaiah itself. Isaiah was a prophet, and he was a prophet speaking the words of God to the southern kingdom of Judah. Israel became two kingdoms for a long period of time, ultimately reunited uh, a long time later. But he was a prophet to this kingdom. He was a prophet to four particular kings in Judah. And uh, he spoke to them uh, about the life of God and uh, about the destructions and about the, the great life that God would be bringing. Here's an interesting little piece. 
if we could take that off the screen for one moment, I'm sorry. Uh, one interesting piece about the book of Isaiah that I want you to focus in on, just a little interesting thing by looking at the Bible. There are 66 chapters in the book of Isaiah. The first 39 speak of destruction, death, and uh, disease, and every other D that is bad. It's the other Ds, Robert. It's not the five Ds, the, the, the Ds of destruction, <clears throat> which we don't want. But the first 39 chapters is that, and the last 27 chapters is reconciliation, renewal, um, renewed hope, life, everything that is great. And it's interesting that the first 39 books of the Bible are in the Old Testament, the law, the never able to add up, all of this stuff. And the last 27 books uh, are about God's grace and fullness uh, and restoration of all things. You see, there is nothing the devil can mess up that God can't bless up. Praise his holy name. Let's get into it today. This word was spoken about Israel's future. Okay, let's be honest. It was spoken to a people, Israel and Judah, but it also holds valuable keys for us as those who have faith in God as the Israelites did at that time. And we're gonna get a hold of it today. This is what the Lord says. He who made a way through the sea, a path through the mighty waters, who drew out chariots and horses, the army and reinforcements together, and they lay there never to rise again, extinguished, stuffed out, snuffed out like a wick. Forget the former things. Why don't you say that? Forget the former things. Do not dwell on the past. See, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? I'm making a way in the wilderness and streams in the desert. We must let go of the past. We must let go of it in order to embrace God's new thing. Amen? Well, let's break this little uh, scripture down a bit and see a little bit more what God's saying to us. Forget the former things. Do not dwell on the past. There's two main things, and I'm going to focus on the second one. But there's two main things that we need to forget. Do we need to forget God's faithfulness? No. Do we need to forget the history of the church and men and women who have bled and died for the sake of Jesus? No. We need to remember the good things God has done. We need to remember those good examples. But what do we need to let go of? Or what do we need to forget? We need to not rest on our laurels. You might say, I didn't know I had a laurel. What is that that I'm trying to rest on? Well, a laurel in the Athens Olympic Games, it began back in the 770s in the BC uh, era. Uh, they were given to the winners of different uh, sporting events. When a, when a, when a runner passed across uh, the tape, uh, when someone threw a, a five million pound stone, three feet or something like that, I don't know what they did back there in Athens. Whatever they did back then, then the people were given a wreath a wreath was laid upon their head of victory. And that's one thing that we must make sure that we don't rest on our laurels. What is resting on our laurels? Our past successes and victories becoming an obstacle to us seeing the new thing God wants to do. If you came from a good situation, which at times seems less and less these days, we're trying to change that trend here. Right? I commit every couple that I'm married to a 50-year affair-proof marriage. They got to they gotta work it, but I pray it and believe it, and we're believing that's going to change. But these days, it seems uh, there aren't that many. But some of us have great laurels, great things from our past, but those who finish strong stay spiritually hungry. And there's this whole 
path that the Israelites went on, if you look through the book of Judges and going on even into First and Second Samuel, on into First and Second Kings, on into the, uh, all throughout, that they would be blessed by God, right? They would have a blessing. Then they would rebel against God and start worshiping other idols. Then they would get into bondage. Then they'd cry out to God and God would send a deliverer and then God would deliver them, Okay. Aren't you glad that God delivers us from our bondage? But here's the thing. We're in the bondage-breaking business here, okay? But once we've broken free of the bondage, why not stay free? The anointing of God to keep someone free is as great as the anointing of God to break someone free. And that's what we're saying on our laurels. We do not want to just become lazy and passive in our relationship with God. We want to stay hungry, right? Think of a spiritual double-double animal style in and out burger. Woo! Ah! I could go for one of those right now. Preaching makes you hungry, Robert. <clears throat> but you know, uh, really what I want to focus on, because I think it applies more to us. We've all had successes and failures, but it applies more to us is to not be bound by our failures. <sighs> You know, more often than not, as I said, we're wearing an albatross around our neck rather than a wreath upon our head. An albatross is a heavy weight that we're carrying, but God wants us to wear a wreath. You know, just a side note, I haven't said it in the other services, but I feel it for you today. Jesus wore um, a crown of thorns so that you might wear a crown of glory. Ah. Isn't that a good exchange? It's always a good exchange with Jesus. Always. Oh, I have to give this up. No, you get to give it up. It wasn't helping you that much anyway. It wasn't that great anyway. What Jesus has is better. What Jesus has is more exciting. What Jesus has is more filling. What Jesus has is more uh, fulfilling. You see, there is an element of self-denial in the Christian life. Did you know that? But self-denial and self-hatred are two completely different things. Self-denial is the surest way to fulfillment. And self-hatred is a sure way to the other way around. <laughs> self-hatred or over-aggrandized self-love are not self-denial. Denying self is a beautiful thing because you can never give something to God that he doesn't double it in your spirit somehow. Or more than that. Anyway, speaking of failures, <laughs> it doesn't define me anymore, right? Okay. Well, I'm going to speak about a failure I had. I'm going to read a, a bit of a personal story I shared last time at All People's Church. But for the sake of brevity, I'm going to read it, a uh, little excerpt of it out of a book that I wrote a few years ago. And um, here we go. This is my life. In the spring of 1999, I led a church planning team to Berlin. What I failed to see around the bend was that God would allow an experience that tested my five senses to the furthest extent. After a few weeks in Berlin, the first signs of depression began to set in. I worshiped. I prayed. I called out to God. But things continued to grow worse. Much worse. It was not simply having a bad day, but a suffocating cloak of darkness that surrounded me and eventually drove me to a major breakdown. As I began to realize that there was no easy way out of this darkness, I found myself giving up on life. My identity had been formed by the opinions of me, of others, about me. And when I realized I was failing these expectations, an utter hopelessness pressed on my heart like a vice. Due to my complete inability to finish the work, 
Jimmy Seibert, the president of our missions organization, flew to Europe in order to bring me back to the States. Ouch. (laughs) Not a good day. We flew back to Texas, and I was admitted to a psychiatric hospital just a few days later. Though I had completely... This is where it gets good, though. Oh, just, just appreciate Jesus. Though I had completely given up on life and welcomed the thought of death, God had not relinquished his grip on me. While I slept for almost 24 hours a day, when I could do nothing for God, he held vigil over me. A scripture that had been shared with me years earlier said it best, my flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. Psalm 73, 26. My flesh and my heart had truly failed, but God was my strength even when I could not perform. You see, failure in this situation did for me more than success ever could have done. Though I had failed in body and mind, I was not a failure as long as I moved forward each step with God. Through the loving kindness of my friends and family in the body of Christ, I started down a path of restoration and began to experience greater fullness and security than I had ever known. As has been said, success is going from failure to failure without the loss of faith. You see, it is, not, uh, it is not ultimately us being a success. He is a success and you are his. How could you, his possession, ever be a failure in his eyes ultimately? Do we fail? Hey, welcome to the club. If you're attempting to be perfect, it's not a very good uh, thing to attempt. <laughs> please don't attempt to be a jerk. Please don't attempt to do bad things. But we fail, but he is not a failure and he will never ever give up on us. Praise his holy name. Failing does not make you a failure unless you allow it to. I speak to you today, to those of you who felt like a failure, breathe again, believe God again. Let him resurrect his power in and through you. You are not a product of the past. Newsflash, did it, did it, did it, did it. You are not a product of the past. You're a product of his past. You're a product of his present. You're a product of his future. You're a product of the cross. Praise his holy name. You see, it's not about the great men and the great women of God. It's about the great God of those men and women. The great God who never gave up on a bunch of give-ups. The great God who never uh, quit forgiving a bunch of people who kept mistaking all the way along the way. And when you've been truly loved and given the grace of God, you don't want to sin anymore. You don't want to walk in brokenness anymore. You want to walk in his blessedness. (sighs) Praise his name. How do you forget the former things, you may ask me? Jeff, that's a pretty... You know, that's a pretty tall order. How do I forget them? They've, they're pretty much on my mind. Well, I got the three R's for you. All right? Give me a good Spanish R. Just making sure you're awake. First one's repent. Say repent. Repent of any past sin and of pride in your own accomplishments. Where we have sinned, we must repent. That means God, it means God, I've did it. I was wrong. If you cannot call something sin, you cannot get rid of it. If we keep excusing our sin, it will cling to us. If we confess and we forsake our sin, we will get free of it. Praise his holy name, right? You see, it's so interesting to me that we don't want to be defined by certain things. So we, we hide them. We, we 
pull them, you know, we put them, but then it ultimately becomes that which defines us. A man doesn't want to, you know, be defined by something, so he hides it. And it ends up, it comes out, and it becomes his definition. But the reality is we need to bring these things to the light and, and to confess and repent, and then it doesn't define us. It doesn't define you or describe who you are anymore. That is your past that you're leaving behind. Anybody want to leave their past behind? God says, I'll take you up on that. But I failed too many times. Well, look at the life of Peter. Look at the life of Peter. Jesus spoke to him and said, you're the rock, and on this rock I'll build my church. And then Peter does dumb stuff. And Jesus said, oh, hold it a minute, Peter. You're the rock, and on this rock I'll build my church. And then Peter does more dumb stuff. And Jesus says, no, hold it. You are the rock, and on the rock I'll build my church. And Peter says, I don't want to be the rock, or something like that. And Jesus says, no, no, hold it. You are the rock, and on this rock. And then Peter denies him. And then Jesus looks up from across the courtyard into the eyes of Peter after he's denied him and called down curses on him. And what, what did that glance look like? And then Jesus comes back from the dead. He breaks the power of hell and death. And he says, Peter, you forgot. You're the rock. And on this rock, I will build my church. And guess who was the major figure of building the church in Jerusalem? Peter. Praise his name. You got a God who won't give up on you as long as you allow him not to. I mean, he won't. But you have to receive. We have to become really good receivers. Anyway, <clears throat> repent of pride. Release those who have failed you and the situations where you have failed. Failure. Others have failed us. We have failed others. God, we must release those. Or they become like a monkey trap. Oh, I, but I deserve it. But I deserve, they really, I really have a good reason for not releasing them. And there was really a good reason for Jesus not going to the cross. It was called pain. Yes, it will be painful at times to release people who have hurt you. But then you get free, just like the Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Those who walk in, those who love Jesus, acknowledge him, must walk as Jesus did. He did things that were uncomfortable for him so that others could be set free and so that he could walk unencumbered. And that's what God's doing for you today. He is unencumbering you. Anybody want to drop some baggage today? We need to receive. We repent, release, and receive. Receive the grace and mercy of God. Don't dwell on your past dwell on his past faithfulness and goodness. Let's look real quickly at this clip from a 1998 movie version of Les Miserables and get a taste of the grace and of the mercy of God. Let God speak to you regarding your own life as you see this interaction between Jean Valjean, a criminal, and a priest that has taken him in.
So we'll use wooden spoons. I don't want to hear anything more about it. I'm sorry to disturb you. You caught him. But I had my eye on this man. Oh, and... thank God. I'm very angry with you, Jean Valjean. What happened to your eye, Monseigneur? Didn't he tell you he was our guest last night? Oh, yes. After we searched his knapsack and found all this silver, he claimed <laughs> that you gave it to him. Yes. Of course I gave him the silverware. But why didn't you take the candlesticks? That was very foolish. Madame Gillot, fetch the silver candlesticks. They're worth at least 2,000 francs. Why did you leave them? Hurry. Monsieur Valjean has to get going. He's lost a lot of time. Did you forget to take them? Are you saying he told us the truth? Of course. Thank you for bringing him back. I'm very relieved. Release him. You're really letting me go? Didn't you understand the bishop? Madame Gillot, offer these men some wine. They must be thirsty. Thank you. And don't forget. Don't ever forget. You've promised to become a new man. Promise? Why are you doing this? Jean Valjean, my brother, you no longer belong to evil. With this silver, I've bought your soul. I've ransomed you from fear and hatred. And now I give you back to God. Amen. You know, but the good news for us today is this. We were not bought with perishable things like silver and gold, but with the precious blood of a lamb. Jesus, when he died on the cross, set us free. And he's here to do it today for you. Jesus took your past on the cross so that you could take on his future with him. Wow. Well, as we're rounding the bend here, we need to see who is doing a new thing. He says here, and see, I am doing a new thing. You can only let go of the past and of the things that, uh, that God, um, and see the things that God has ahead for you who, when you see who he is and what he's doing. It's not as important, let me tell you, it's not as important, though it is important what God has called you to do. What's important is who it is that has called you to do it and who it is that you'll be with and who it is that says, I'll never leave you and I'll never forsake you. I need an amen on that or something. All right, thank you. God revealed himself to Moses in the burning bush. And Moses said to him, how in the world, what am I gonna tell these Israelites about me delivering them from Egypt? Because he's like, I, I gotta have a good one here, Lord. And the Lord said, here's the best name I can give you to describe me. He says, Yahweh, I am. Jesus, uh, uh, Jesus is, shows us the great, I am that's operating in human form. We see here in John 8, 56 through 59, your father Abraham rejoiced that he would see my day. He saw it and was glad, Jesus speaking to the religious leaders. So the Jews said to him, you are not yet 50 years old and have you seen Abraham? 
Jesus said to them, truly, truly, I say to you before Abraham was, I am. So they picked up stones to throw at him, but Jesus hid himself and went out of the temple. You see, these religious leaders were incensed. They were angry because Jesus used the same words that God revealed himself to Moses in the burning bush. And that's where Jesus said, I am in the bush, I am here, and I will always be here, and I am. Let's see the seven real quickly. Seven I am's in the book of John where Jesus describes himself. He says, John 6, 35, I am the bread of life. That speaks quality of life. Someone out there might be saying, I'm really concerned as I get older, I may not have anybody to take care of me. I'm really concerned about the quality of life. And God looks at you and he loves you and he says, I am. I am the light of the world. That's freedom from sin and shame. You say, Lord, nobody would love me. I have been too broken. I've been bound by this sin. If they really knew who I was, they wouldn't love me. And God looks at you and he says, I am. I am enough for you. I am your freedom from sin and shame. I am the door. That's the source of entry into all of God's riches. Do you know how many riches God has? No, you don't. Don't try to tell me because I don't either. Because eye has not seen, nor his ear heard, nor has even entered into the heart of a man or a woman the things which God has planned for those who love him. We cannot even taste it, but I'll tell you a little taste. He has some riches, and he's the entry, Jesus, to all of it. Let's not live impoverished lives. Let's live lives. I'm not talking finances here. Let's live lives that are thick with God. I am the good shepherd. He's the source of protection and provision, John 10, 11. I am the resurrection and the life, John 11, 25 and 26, victory over death. I can tell you this, we may fear death, but there's no fear of death if we've received and believed upon the Lord Jesus Christ. Death will not have you. Where, O oh, death, is your victory, it says in Romans. Where is your sting? Lord Jesus, thank you that you are that person that is the resurrection. The way, the truth, and the life. He's our source of salvation. I am the vine. He's the source of life and fruitfulness. Lord, I can't do anything right. You know, somebody asked me this morning, Jeff, are you ready for the sermon? I said, I don't know, but he's ready and I'm with him. I want to give you a quote. You can take this one to the bank. I don't know if Bank of America will take it, but I tell you, you can take this and invest it in your spirit. The great I am, the I am is the answer to all the what ifs of life. He's the answer. He's the answer for your provision. He's the answer for your protection. He's the answer for your future. He's the answer for your past that you're letting go of today. Hallelujah. Praise his name. We must see the great I am. We must see him in order to let go of the past. As the band comes forward, we want to open our eyes to see the new thing. God, by the way, I want to tell you, God is not changing his eternal plans. He didn't come to the end of 2018 and say, oh, that didn't work very well. Trouble in the Middle East, uh, you know, all of these, uh, all these things going on. No, God's plans are the same yesterday, today, and forever. Jesus was the lamb slain from the foundation of the world. But guess what? God has a new way to get you into his plan. He says, oh, they messed up, but come on. If they'll just come forward again, I'll get a new best for them. You may say, well, I've blown the best. Well, God says, no, you haven't. I know how to take the best. I know how to redo the best. A friend of ours, Steve Backlund, says it this way. If Satan was to write a book, it'd be called, it backfired again. 
We got to let go. We got to let go of hurt and unforgiveness over how others have mistreated us. Yes, others have hurt and wounded us. We got to let go of disappointments. This is huge in how we thought life was going to turn out. I was disappointed many times. I didn't think I'd be single till mid-30s. I didn't think I'd go through a depression at 30. But I got to leave that in the past because I've got a new future in God. There's nothing, as I said earlier, Satan can mess up that God can't bless up. He will move your future forward as you trust in him. We need to let go of the disappointments, as I said. We need to become a person who meditates on God's word, studying his word day by day. We, you can see his promises. You can understand who he is and what he's doing by seeing what he has done. As we look at his faithfulness in our history, we see his plans for our destiny. Praise his holy name. Commit to being part of a prophetic community called the church. That's what the church is to be, a prophetic community, a people who see God, see who he's been, but also see what he's doing. Let go of that past and enter in. Today, we want to be those kind of a people. Praise your holy name. We cannot fully see. Uh, anyway, in the church, it's very important that we know we not only are able to hear God's voice, we're not only able to hear it personally or through others, but we have others holding us accountable. When I was in, on my, in my depression, uh, it was my brothers who said to me, no, God has called you to this. God will not fail you. And I said, no, guys, you don't understand. I got it pretty much down. God has failed. I, I failed God. I'm done. And they said, no, that's where the prophetic community, you must be a part of it. And we're a prophetic community here today to minister to you. God will do the impossible. You'd say, how do I know if I'm seeing the new thing God has? It will bring glory to God and it will be absolutely impossible to do with human strength. Let's stand.